Hello and welcome to a time of edification with Caruso Ministry. Get ready to be edified and equipped to edify others. Ready? Let's begin. Say I receive all that the Lord has for me in today's meeting. Say I receive all that the Lord has for me in today's meeting. Say I receive clarity. I receive direction i receive instructions in the name of the lord say i'm not distracted i'm not distracted i'm not distracted say my mind is open my heart is open my heart is open my mind is open say i receive all nothing missing nothing broken nothing broken in the name of the lord glory to god hallelujah praise god how many of you are going to have a wonderful time today? Glory to Jesus. I'm going to be so blessed. Oh, say it like you mean. Say, I'm going to be so blessed. Say, I'm going to be so blessed. So, so, so blessed. Hallelujah. Praise God. Please have your seat. Have your seat. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of us, um, I just want to take a census. How many of us streamed the meeting in Lagos? You streamed Lagos' meeting. Can I see your hands? There's a lot I have to do there. What does this mean? <laughs> Put in your hand like this. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Actually, um, Tife, I want you to share your testimony now. Alright, so please can you just quickly just come forward and share testimony? Stop looking like this thing. Just come forward and share testimony. Um, okay. Um, in, in one of our Sunday meetings, our Sunday discipleship classes. Right, last year or early this year, I can't really place the time now. Um, the pastor gave a word, gave a word concerning the elder brother of someone who was looking for a job. Uh, gave a word concerning that that um, he was going to get jobs, and that how he's going to know that it's from God is that he's going to get like two or like more than three, and then you'll be able to choose. You'll be able to choose from those ones, and anyone is going to pick is going to be fine. So I get into it for an older friend, not my older brother, but an older friend. Like when Pastor gave the word, he was the first person that came to my mind. He's been looking to change jobs from the bank he was working in. And so immediately after the meeting, I just called him and then I told him that, okay, my disciple gave a word concerning this and this and this. And then I believe so strongly that the word is for him. Then I just prayed with him. Then the following week, told me that oh he got he got three job offers and then he was saying which one should he pick from right and so the second testimony was at one of our monthly meetings here um was it january no or february when pastor was teaching on um this love matter now he gave a word concerning um so he gave a word he actually pointed to me specifically and he told me that in my teaching ministry as i teach i'll begin to see visions even as i teach and that has been happening that has been happening if i even comes to the fact that maybe i'm just explaining something to a friend who came to my house explain something from the bible and then i'll just see a vision appear in front of me then two sundays ago at our discipleship meeting pastor gave a word specifically for me he did not mention my name he just said that there's someone here whose dad uses a lot of drugs who was on a lot of drugs and as a August, when I when I saw my dad, he had terrible health conditions that um, he was placed on so many drugs that I had to help him separate the drugs 
that so that you will not confuse one for the other because it was taking up to like 15 pills at a time and I had to take money half to at night so that's like helping me separate it right and so when pastor gave the word I held on to it so much and then I called my dad at first I called my dad and then I told him that okay my pastor gave the word concerning this and this and then the following week I called him again I said he said ah his drugs has finished and I said has he gone to the hospital he said he would go the following day he went the following day and then I called him oh how was this he was like ah Glory to God. Just lift your hands and give God praise. Lift your hands and give God praise. Say thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Now, actually, the, the primary reason I shared said now, if you know me, you know, I'm usually not a very big fan of sharing testimonies, which, by the way, I should change. Actually, I should actually change. But the, the primary reason I was one underlying factor in all of those times. In Three, in those three encounters, all right, where she received a testimony, I never laid hands in any of them. Are we together, guys? In the three of them, I was teaching. Are we together? The three of them, I was teaching. Now, I remember I've always said this thing before, and um, I'm going to hope that you actually pay attention to it. That you see, at least particularly for me, all right, one of the major flows with my ministry is the fact that miracles happen when I teach. Are we together, guys? And one of the dilemmas of that is the fact that. They don't, they don't, they're not necessarily spectacular. So now, I'm not, now, I'm, of course, by, by the grace of God, I flow in power gifts. There are times when I lay hands and things happen and stuff like that. But it doesn't always happen like that. Sometimes I'm just teaching and I just say something in your direction. Do you understand me? Please receive. Glory to God. Are we together? You know, I might just come, you know, I just, you might just notice I'm moving towards your side again and again and again a lot. And I'm saying specific words at you. First of all, if, if that has ever happened to you in any of our meetings before, where I'm coming towards your direction again and again, and I'm saying words specific to you, can I see your hands up? Those things happen a lot, all right? And so I want to beg you, please receive. Are we together, guys? Please receive. So as I'm teaching the word, pay attention. All right, sometimes it's an instruction for you. Sometimes the power of God in your direction coming towards you. Sometimes you need a healing. Sometimes someone who needs a miracle at home or so on and so forth. Get your heart open to receive. Are we together? One more thing. If you are confused about any matter, expect answers when I teach. Are you with me? Expect that particularly when I deviate. Ah, uh, my deviations are not ordinary. Are we together? When I'm teaching us, for example, I'm teaching on evangelism and I begin to deviate on the leading of the Spirit. You know that those two topics are far from each other. Are you with me? Better pay attention to what I'm saying. That's a, that's a direction for you there. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? Say, my heart is open. My heart is open to receive. 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 Say, I receive all that the Lord has for me. Say, I receive all that the Lord has for me. I receive directions corrections instructions in the name of the Lord in the name of the Lord say thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah praise God all right so let's get right into it glory to God all right so um our, our series for this month is the thing the world needs Jesus the world needs Jesus the world needs Jesus even is that we have to change the speaker or something for it well I don't know I'm not enjoying this sound I'm not, I'm not really enjoying it. It's not, it's not as loud as I would want it to be. Okay, but, but in case there's nothing we can do about it, that's fine. Alright? So, the world needs Jesus. And you see, it's a series on evangelism and discipleship. Alright? Um, in Lagos, we started this series. And in Lagos, I emphasized on evangelism. Somebody say evangelism. Evangelism. 
Alright, and so um, we're going to focus a bit more on discipleship in Ife. However, there are a lot of things I still haven't covered yet regarding evangelism. So I'm going to try to touch on those. And then with the remaining time I have left, I'll touch on discipleship. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I want you to trust God with me that today I'm going to finish my notes. Can I hear an amen? It's not possible. Let's just move on. <laughs> I've, I've stopped lying to myself. You know, there was a time when I used to be hopeful. I'll finish my notes. Not anymore. I just, I just flow the way God would have me flow. Amen. Alright, so open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And we begin now. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. If you are there, say I'm there. If you are there, say I'm there. If you are not there, say wait for me. Who said wait for me? At this time, you know. <laughs> All right, so Ephesians before, I'm going to be reading from 11 to verse 14, and everybody we are reading together, one, two, go. It says, and he gave some apostles, and so, wait, sorry, stop, stop. <laughs> I know you've not eaten this morning, so I'm not going to bother asking how many people have not eaten. All right, but still, I need you to respond clearly. Ephesians 4 and verse 11, are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? So everybody, one, two, go. And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Continue verse 12. For the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 13. So we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every what wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, let's go back to Ephesians 4 and verse 11. Verse 11 there. Now, he says, and he gave some apostles. Now, um, um, chances are, at one time or the other, you would have heard about the concept of ministry gifts, all right, in the local church or in the body of Christ, all right? And then you hear about ministry gifts. Now, what you have listed here are ministry gifts. Now, just a little clarification about this, by the way. Now, when people read this verse in Ephesians 4 and verse 11, they, they, they read, he gave some apostles. And there are two ways people usually interpret this. Either they interpret it as number one, he gave some people apostles, some people pastors, some people prophets, and some people evangelists. If that's how you think it is, can I see your hands up? It's okay. There's no problem. It's fine. That's how you think it is, yeah? So, he gave some people pastors, right? Some people apostles. So, there's an apostle for some people. There's a pastor for some people. That's, it, it doesn't not make sense now. Why are you looking like this? Okay. Now, there are some other people that now think about it this way. That he gave some apostles like, not some people now, but he has made some people apostles. You know, that's right from the first one. The first one is, he gave some people apostles, some people pastors, some people prophets. Are, are we together? Then there's the other way that now thinks, okay, but the difference is this. Some people are pastors. Some people are prophets. Some people are evangelists. Some people are apostles. Are you with me? If you, if you think it's the second one, can I see your hands up? It's, it's fine. Now raise your hand. Okay, if you don't think it's any of the two, can I see your hands? If you are not thinking, let me see. <laughs> because, you know, at least it has to be one of them. Now, the word some here, now, this is where the Greek gets interesting. You see, the word some there is the word in the Greek, M-E-N, men. Write that down, M-E-N, men. And interestingly, the word actually means, the word men actually means assuredly of a truth. Assuredly of a truth. So now, when he says he gave some apostles... Actually, the better way to phrase it is, he assuredly gave apostles. 
And this would make sense if you understand the context of this verse, because if you pay attention to the context of the scripture, he had, he had he started from saying that, you know, um, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Are we together, guys? Then he now says that from there, he gave some apostles. So he's first of all talking about the resurrection. He has been talking about the resurrection. He says, who is it that descended? Is it not the same who ascended? Sorry, who is it that ascended? Is it not the same that descended even to the lower parts of the heavens, um, to the lower parts of the earth? And then he ascended that he might fill all things. Are we together, guys? So he's speaking about his resurrection. And then he now says, in that resurrection, he gave gifts unto men. Are we together? He says, he led captivity captive, and then he gave gifts unto men. Then that gift that he gave unto men is now what he's talking about. So he's trying to say, of a truth, Jesus rose again, and so assuredly we know that he gave gifts. Are we together, guys? He's not saying that he gave some gifts, some gifts, or some and so forth. The problem here is that we read these words, or we read this forgetting the fact that the Bible was initially written in Greek. Are we together? Or at least the New Testament was initially written in Greek. Are we together, guys? And so when you pay attention to the original words that were used, the word some there is the Greek word men. Now, this is not all the time, but in this particular portion of Scripture, are we together, guys? So when he says he gave some apostles, some evangelists, some pastors, some prophets, the way you see it is this. He assuredly gave apostles, evangelists, pastors, prophets, um, sorry, um, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, here's also something to pay attention, attention to, however. I personally believe that the reason the word some was used was also because they were trying to show the fact that it is not everyone in the body that is a pastor. Are we together? In order to show the distinction between offices, all right, the interp or the translators decided to use the word some. Are we together? But however, that word can be confusing, just as we just saw. Are we together, guys? So the primary way to first of all see this verse, Ephesians 1 verse 11 is this. God assuredly gave gifts unto men. Are we together, guys? He gave. And what did God give? God, now let me put this in a way that can make a bit more sense. The gift is the office. Let me put it this way. You see, God himself, or better still, when God gave, God did not necessarily give apostles as per the persons. So for example, God did not give Apostle Emmanuel Irene, who is my apostle, by the way. He didn't give Apostle Joshua Selman. No. He gave the office of the apostolic function. Are we together? Men are then called into those offices. Are we together, guys? I'm going to, put, I'm going to explain it again. He gave those offices in his resurrection. So, in the resurrection of Jesus, there is the possibility of those offices that we see. The office of an apostle, the office of a prophet, the office of an evangelist, the office of a pastor or teacher. Those offices did not exist before the resurrection. Are we together, guys? In the resurrection was that gift given. So, that office, the office of apostleship was given upon the resurrection. Are we together, guys? Do you, are we together, guys? A man now begins to stand in that office as a reason of function and use. A very good example. You see the man, Paul. Apostle Paul. Now, initially, he was just a disciple. God saved, and now got infused with the Holy Ghost, and then, of course, he began to, you know, um, in the church, he began to what? He began to teach. All right, he began to, of course, um, evangelize, and then began to do works, and so on and so forth. And the same man now grows up until when he is a teacher. Are we together? And then you will hear of times when Paul, Paul would go to certain places and then he would preach the gospel, get people saved, and then plant a work there. A very good example in the book of Ephesians. Sorry, in, in Acts 19 in Ephesus. Sorry about that. In Acts 19. So in Acts 19, for example, you see Paul, he goes into Ephesus, he meets 12 men, all right, and he says, Have you ever heard about the Holy Ghost since you believed? 
And he says, no, they've never heard anything. He says, what baptism are you baptized unto? He says, unto John's baptism. And then he preaches the gospel to them. He gets them saved. You can go there, by the way. Acts 19 from verse 6, thereabouts. Preaches the gospel to them, gets them saved, gets them filled with the Holy Ghost, and then begins to teach daily in the school of one Tyrannus. What office is Paul standing in there? That's the office of a pastor. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? Now, over time, as Paul also begins to grow in the work as a pastor, he now gets to a point where he begins to move around, planting churches and putting people above the, um, sorry, in charge of those churches. What office is he standing in at that point in time now? An apostle. Which, by the way, I mean, hopefully one of these is I'm going to do a teaching on ministry gifts. You know, there's this mindset that people have about ministry gifts. That ministry gifts that are, is such that you are called from your beds. So, um, so it's, it's a way that, you know, at the beginning, you're already an apostle. It's not true. I don't know. And also, people also have the mindset that you're only called into one office. So I'm an, I can never be a pastor. I'm an apostle. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You see, the reality of it is that we grow in function into those ministry gifts. Now, it's not impossible that, of course, you've been called a certain way, all right, and, of course, we'll see operations like that in your life, even from when you begin to grow. But the reality of it is, at the end of the day, is we grow into ministry gifts. It becomes more clearer over time what we are for. Are we together? So let me give you a very good example too as well. Look at Acts chapter 6. Open your Bible to Acts 6. And this is not part of my note. I just um, want to just talk about this. Acts 6. And we're going to be talking about, in Acts 6 from verse, um, go to verse 4. Acts 6 verse 4. The ordination of the deacons in the church. So, um, background to this story, there was a little fight in the church. There was a fight in the church. Hallelujah. Fight. Serious fight. In the middle of a revival. Serious fight in the church. And you know, we would expect that for a church that is so filled with the Holy Ghost, if they are going to fight, they should fight about disciples. Maybe things like, you know, you are taking my disciple, I'm taking your disciple. Or maybe their fight will be something like, you know, your flow in the Holy Ghost is not as well as it should be. You need to flow better. Are we together, guys? But guess what they were fighting about? In the middle of a revival, worldwide revival. I mean, the kind of revival that people heard the gospel, people who came to Jerusalem to worship from different nations of the earth, they came to Jerusalem, they heard the gospel. After they heard the gospel, they sold all they have and dropped it at the apostles' feet and said, we are not going home again. This is where we are going to die. In the middle of that revival, guess what they were fighting about? Food. 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 I'm telling you, food. food. And that's to let you know, see, I just want to say this, by the way, every now and then. I think it's just important to add this. You see, never, or, never overestimate the, or better still, never underestimate the possibility of strife, even in the middle of supernatural encounters. You see, at the end of the day, one thing you need to always realize is this. We are men of God, but we are men. Of God, but men. Are we together, guys? You will shock yourself the things that will annoy you. You understand? You, you, have you ever had a fight before? And then, by the time you were done with the fight, you know what they to think? What caused the fight? Then even you are too stupid to say what caused the fight. Because just imagine, for example, imagine when we get to heaven. Just imagine, we get to heaven, and then we meet the Grecian widows. And then we know, I said, we say, sorry, ma. Let's say we didn't even know about this Act 6. We just heard ah, that there was a fight that happened in the early church, but we don't know why they, they were fighting. So we get to heaven, and then we see the, you know, the Grecians. And so we go to meet them. We say, ah, don't be annoyed, though. We heard that, ah, you know, during that period where the layman at the gates, you know, was healed, that period when they were preaching the gospel, 5,000 people were getting saved, 3,000 people were getting saved, we heard that people were fighting. I'm very sure the reason we were fighting was because somebody prayed for the sick, and the person did not get healed. Abby. And they said, um, no, Zan, okay. I understand what the problem is. Most likely, Peter, guy, Peter taught you guys something, but then you didn't get it. And I know Peter can be easily annoyed. So because of that, he begs for you. Say, um, no. Okay. 
Why exactly were you fighting? I say porridge. <laughs> and, and then, while she's shouting porridge, Jacob just said, I know what they're talking about. <laughs> I know, I know what they are talking about, you know. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. They fought because of food. But that's not everywhere I'm going to. So now, as a reason of this, the, the, the apostles in the church now decided, you know what? We're not going to focus on this thing. He says, look out from among you seven men of honest reports, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we appoint over this business. Now that's another different sermon on his own, by the way. Is it not interesting that they're about to, they're about to appoint men to serve food? And look at the criteria. Now, you know, if you want to appoint men to serve food in the church, what's the criteria you should use? People that study food and nutrition. What do you think? Oh, me comes. Or what? Eh? Idabas. Thank you very much. The Idabas is of the church. No, but guess who they picked? Seven men of honest reports, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. You know what this thing teaches us? It teaches us that even for the seeming natural aspects of Christian service, it's important that you're on fire for the Lord. Let me tell you something. See, any area of the church that is left to be governed by unspiritual people will, will leave an opening for the devil. It's one of the biggest mistakes the church, the church has made today, honestly. To put people who are unlearned, unsupervised, etc., etc., and to put them at the helm of affairs and activities, they can never be led by the Holy Ghost. And they will do things that will make you know these people are not led. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? You know, I don't want to enter that matter. Let's just move on. But now, see, so now they appointed seven men full of the Holy Ghost, seven men of honest reports, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Are we together, guys? Now, pay attention to something very, very important here. Notice also that they said, look ye out from among you. In other words, if we want to ordain leaders in the church, there shouldn't be a surprise to the entire church. You see, I have a very, very big problem with the idea of ordaining leaders or pastors, and everybody is shocked. Imagine, the person that's going to pastor you for the next one year, they ordain him, and everybody's like, hey? Even the person is shocked. Even, you know, I, this is something, when I was on campus, I fought about this thing again and again and again. And then probably they thought it was because maybe, because, um, maybe I wanted to be a leader. I don't know. Well, I mean, I've been a leader for a while, so there was no point. There was nothing to be forming anything for anymore. It doesn't make sense. And then you now see, you know, then you now see, this person, she's fair, she's this one, she's that one, and then she already knows she's, she's now crying. Oh, God. Oh, God. Now, the same person that was crying yesterday, yesterday for choice God why me the same lady now the tomorrow if you don't call her mama there's problem <laughs> it is a lie it's a lie you, you wanted it That's a, you know the, all the times when I was carried nothing if, the funny thing is even the first time I was actually carried I was laughing I'm not even joking to be fair it was also because of the, the person that he puts me with because it was a lie on the Theophilus you know <laughs> those who don't know both of us are just standing. Really. Because it makes no sense. I don't, how do they put you over people's lives for a year and you are crying before now? So you did not know. Do you understand my point? So now you put people over people's lives for one year and they, they were not expecting it. Neither the person who is the leader nor the person who will be led. So now the person who will be led at that point in time is just letting you know. Are we together, guys? The person to who is going to lead is just learning about leadership at that point in time. They cannot grow. Are we together? So, you see, at the end of the day, we are going to ask, have to ask ourselves, do we want to do Bible or do we want to do entertainment? The same choice all of us, the, the, in the middle of all of us were shining seats, we're laughing, everything. In now it's just pastor tongues, talking tongues. 
What's all this drama for? There's no need for the drama. Call his name. <laughs> what, what was it? Also, before, also, in other words, all the other offices are not spiritual. They don't need the Holy Ghost. That's the reason. When is the organizing secretary? Everybody's laughing. You understand? Uh, music director, everybody's laughing. You understand? Everybody that's everybody's laughing. It's not time for the pastors. I say, talk in tongues. Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat. Call the name. Let them get to the world. You see, one of the ways, let me tell you something for example. A very good example is this. You see, in this ministry, in this ministry, you know, for, here's the funny thing. I have not ever clearly called anybody a leader in this place. But guess what? You know who the leaders are? That's the truth. If for any, if for any reason one, one something happened and I could not make it down for a meeting, you know the person who is most likely to teach. You know why? That's Christian leadership. Notice they said, look here out from among yourselves. Meaning, they trusted the church. Now, at this point in time, as at Acts 6, the church was at least 8,120 because 3,000 had been saved in Acts 2. In Acts 5, 5,000 had been saved. Are we together, guys? So, 8,120 people picked among themselves and they picked seven. And there was no fight. There was no, I'm supposed to be a leader. He did not pick me. Nothing like that. 8,120 people picked seven people. That's Christian leadership. Are we together, guys? Are we know that Stephen was saying, why me? Why me, Lord? Anyways, let's continue. So now it says, look out from among you, seven men of honest reports. There's a lot I can even teach from this thing. Also notice, let me say something. You see, when it comes to Christian leadership, and I'm just going to add this in passing, you see, character matters more than ability. Write it down. You know, if we're going to pick somebody who is a leader, for example, what are the things we want, probably want to say? We won't say the person must be able to teach. Was able to wear suits and look a certain way. Just like, was able to combine colors. It almost seems as though the criteria for being a pastor these days is being able to dress well. Amen. I don't have any problem. In fact, I even like it to be fair. It's sweet. They do me well. Do you understand my point? But you know, say someone who can combine colors well, who can talk nice, who knows the lingua, bless you. Do you understand? Who can put his hand in his pocket and who knows how to command the flow of the Holy Ghost? Just says, you know, there's the Spirit of God. Those kind of things. But look at how they chose leaders in the church. He says, look here from among you, seven men of honest reports, number one. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. In a sense, it, don't, it looked like as though there was just one spiritual criteria. Are we together, guys? Look also at 1 Timothy 3. Let me show you something. 1 Timothy 3. 1 Timothy 3. Paul was speaking to Timothy here concerning the ordaining of bishops in the church. 1 Timothy 3. He says, this is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Verse 2. Now, look at the criteria for a bishop. Pay attention now. Now, you know, of course, if you're going to talk about the criteria for a bishop, number one thing should be he's called. Yes or no? There's an oil on his head. When he speaks, the ground trembles. When he says a word and he decrees a thing, it must come to pass. No dot, of the, no, no dot on his word will go unfulfilled or something like that. But look at how you ordain a bishop. He says a bishop must be blameless. In other words, a bishop must be someone that all of us know he doesn't do anyhow. He's not like this in church and like this outside. Are we together, guys? Look at what he says. He says he must be the husband of one wife. <laughs> bishop of Kimdale. Are we together, guys? He must be the husband of one wife. What's the next thing? He says he must be vigilant. He must be sober, of good behavior, giving to hospitality. I want to talk about this one a little bit more. Meaning, we must want to visit bishop. Are we together, guys? Bishop must be given to us. We must know that if we enter Bishop's house, we will leave their field. Amen? That's it. It's not that we're going to greet Bishop. It's just word. I come and play salmon. 
Alaye Donjewa. Bring the food. You know, one of the things that characterized Jesus' ministry, even, do you realize that, in, for example, in Luke 24, do you realize they did not know it was Jesus until he broke bread? You don't know. Jesus had been teaching them on the road to him house. He tossed them throughout when they were on the road. They did not know it was him. He sat down and he, the moment he broke bread, they said their eyes were opened. Meaning as he broke the bread. You know, you know what that means? They had been so used to seeing Jesus break bread. The moment they break, he said, Naim, I sabia, I sabia. So meaning it was a consistent character trait with Jesus. Are you with me? He must have been someone that was so hospitable with them. Are you with me? They knew Jesus for, ah, he can take care of someone. Ah, forget, you do all right. If he teach you, he go teach you, and me, I don't, but he feed you. Are we together, guys? So he says a bishop must be hospitable. He must be given to hospitality. And then look at what he says. He must be apt to teach. Now, next verse, verse 3. He says, not given to wine. <laughs> Pastor should not be found drunk on the road. I think that's not hard to know. I digress, huh? You know, some very ridiculous um, questions that we are asking. Is, is, is alcohol a this thing or not a this thing? Are they not that wine? Do you understand? Like, why is it so much of an argument whether or not you must drink alcoholic wine? Is there no letter? I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't even try, I'm not even trying to sound this thing right now. I just want to know why is it that one, that alcoholic wine that you must drink? Why not drink veleta? It's sweet. Eh? What do you say, man? Veleta is not sweet. Is that one that you used to take that is sweet, Abby? No, like I'm just hearing from you. Go on. No, say it loud so they can hear you on the stream. What do you say, Elizabeth? Eh? It's not really sweet. The way you like it. In their defense. No, defend all of them together. Go. <laughs> Advocate. <laughs> Akadi the righteous. Anyways. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, but look at what he says. He says he must not be given to wine. No striker. Pastor must not be fighting up and down. You, <laughs> just imagine, God forbid, you just see your man of God on the road. <laughs> Say, ah, Pastor, you might be See, <laughs> you know, he says, but patience, not a brawler, not covetous. Next verse, verse 4. One that's ruled well his own house, having his children in subjection without gravity. If we use this particular ruler, let's just continue. Verse, <laughs> verse 5. Verse 5, please. He says, for if a man, ah, hey, if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Next verse, next verse, next verse. <laughs> you get what I'm doing there, Abby. You get it. <laughs> verse 6. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condition of the devil. Now, quick question. Of all of these things we've listed, what is the semi spiritual instruction there? Absolute teach. Absolute teach. It means, listen, at the end of the day, in ordaining Christian leaders, or in ordaining a leader in the local church, Character matters more than ability. You, you want to know why? Because you see, the real proof of spiritual growth is character. You see, anybody can quote. You just need to be intelligent. Anybody can. I mean, I for one knows that, know that from experience. Children church. Bible, uh, this thing, that they call you in front of each other. Particularly when there's money on the table. Who will not cram when there's money on the table? You will quote Psalm 24, Psalm 91, Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 22. You will quote everything. Now, if you ask me to explain, I don't know Jack. But I can quote. Which, by the way, I must also add, quoting is good. Because now, someone is using that, all of that to say, now, a old man of God like you, you've been in the faith 15 years, you can't quote three Bible verses conveniently. It's always, I'm paraphrasing, or as it were. There's a, there's a big problem with you, don't lie to yourself. But then, by the way, all right, it's not just by being able to quote. Spiritual growth is not by who can teach best, even though you should be able to teach. Amen? 
Are we together? In fact, it's not really by the person who can flow the most in the things of the Spirit. Are we together, guys? Let me tell you something. The moment you understand that the things of the Spirit work by God's grace, by the benevolence of God in the fact that God wants that need to be met. You understand? It's not so much the person ministering as it is the need that has to be met. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? And because God wants that need to be met, healing will be given not because there is anything special about you, but because God wants that person healed. Are we together, guys? That's it. That's it. So at the end of the day, the true judge of spiritual growth is how well a person's mind has been renewed. And how do you know how well a person's mind has been renewed? The things they do, their character. Are we together, guys? So it's not just by the things I say here. It's not just by how nice I sound. The way you know that a man has grown spiritually is his attitude in, in, in terms of how he treats the world. How he behaves in the world. Does he act consistently or better still, does he act in line with God's word? That's the true judge of spiritual growth. And that is what determines a man to be fit for leadership. Not how well he can speak. Are we together? Do you understand me? That's it. But then let's continue because that's never where we are going to. Now in Acts 6, back to Acts 6 now. Speaking still about ordination of, of, of the deacons. So now, they're going to ordain people to serve food in the church. And the apostle says, you know what, it's not means that we should, you know, um, leave the word of God and serve tables. He says, look here from among you, seven men of honest reports, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But then what did they say afterwards? He says, but we'll give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Are we together? And so, the church comes together and then they ordain some people. They ordain Stephen, they ordain Philip, they ordain um, Nicanor, um, Parmenas, and so on and so forth. Right? They ordained those guys. Now, pay attention to something. I'm talking, I was talking about ministry gifts. The Philip who was ordained here, we hear about him in Acts 8. Go there, in Samaria. Bible tells us that after Stephen was killed, people were scattered abroad, all right, as a reason of the persecution. And then Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and then he preached the gospel in power with mighty miracles following. Are we together, guys? Go there. Um, oh, okay. Okay, verse 5. He says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Verse 6. Can we go there? Verse 6. He says, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taking with passes and that were lame were healed. Hallelujah. So, the same. Now, here is something that you must pay attention to. Just something to help you. This same Philip, don't forget. The reason he was ordained in the first place was that this was a man who normally was given to supernatural activity. Are we together? Because notice the criteria for ordaining deacons in the church. Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. Are we together? And what does it mean to be full of the Holy Ghost? When you read through the epistles, a man being full of the Holy Ghost means he is a man given to supernatural activity. Are we together, guys? For example, you see in Ephesians 5, verse 18, be not drunk with wine, but, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Are we together, guys? So to be filled with the Holy Ghost means you are going to now do something by the Holy Ghost. So when you say a man is full of the Holy Ghost or filled with the Holy Ghost or full of the Spirit, the man will either speak by the Spirit or do something by the Spirit. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? Beautiful. Now, what that would mean, therefore, is that what you see Philip doing here in Acts 8, Philip had already been doing it in a small measure in Jerusalem. That was the reason he was ordained in the first place. Are we together, guys? But now that he has been ordained as a deacon, hands were laid on him, the oppression increased in his life, and now you are seeing more miracles. Are we together, guys? Does that make sense, guys? But that's not all. So now, we see Philip. At this point in time, Philip is still a deacon. Nothing special about him. Now go to Acts 21, verse 8. So now, Philip had just been called. Initially, Philip was just a disciple. Are we together? God saved then Philip became a deacon. Are we together, guys? Deacon is not part of the ministry gifts. I hope you know. Do you understand my point? He didn't give some deacon. 
All right? So, deacon is not part of the ministry gift. So, he's just a deacon. And then, after Philip goes to Samaria, he preaches the gospel in Samaria. Then, by the Spirit of God, he's led into the desert in Gaza. He meets the utopian eunuch. Do you remember that story? Um, do you understand what you are reading? Understand is that what thou readest, right? And then he, uh, and then the um, the utopian eunuch answered, "How will I understand unless a man teaches me?" And then the part of the book of, of, of where the utopian eunuch was reading was Isaiah, where he was um, where he read, he was led like a, um, a a sheep to the slaughter. That is Isaiah 53, right? And then Bible says, and from that scripture he explained to him Christ. So he preached to the utopian eunuch there, got him saved, got him baptized, and the Bible tells us he was he vanished from his sight, or the spirit of God took him from there. All right, Philip Airlines, are we together, guys? So now. All right. So now, we don't hear about Philip anymore. And now, the next time we hear about Philip is now Acts 21. He says, And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the what? So now, Philip is now called an evangelist. Now, if we are being honest, we had already, begin, we had, we had already seen some traits in Philip from the start. Are we together, guys? So, Philip was that guy who, just like every, every other one of his guys, he got saved like them. But there was something about this guy when he preaches the gospel. Are we together? There's a way we see more signs. And then, you know, we see him go to Samaria, and then he does crazy things in Samaria. So now, we don't yet know, but we can tell that there's something about this guy. He's still a deacon, but there's something different in the way this guy operates. Are we together, guys? But then, as a reason of growth over time, he then becomes a what? A, a full-blown ministry gift as an evangelist. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? So that's the reason why I said, when I said before, that the office of a ministry gift, even though a man is called into it, you grow into it in maturity. Are we together, guys? So this is one reason why you don't call yourself any kind of thing. Small boy like you, disciple of two, you say apostle. <laughs> I, 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 your, your boldness blows me away. You know, <laughs> I'm blown away. Don't do that to yourself. You know, one of the things, one of the best ways that someone explains this as well is when you look through the ministry gifts in scripture, those words are actually verbs. Are we together? The word apostolos, for example, apostle, means people who are sent. So, by the, by the simple nature of the word, you can't be staying in one place and call yourself an apostle. Do you understand? It's like, it's like saying, I'm a missionary, but you've only been in one place all your life. Makes no sense. Do you understand my point? An evangelist, you are jealousies. All right, sorry. Um, um, yeah. An evangelist refers to somebody who is giving a message to announce. You say, I'm quiet and I'm shy, but I'm an evangelist. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The word pastor is the word poemen. It means a shepherd. Are we together, guys? It means you have to be watching over people. Do you understand my point? You can't call yourself pastor and you're not even showing up to church. Who are you watching over? So you need to understand at the end of the day, ministry gifts are active words. They are verbs. So you don't just call yourself. So let me explain the way it is. You don't call yourself a ministry gift to become a ministry gift. You do the work of a ministry gift and then you are identified as one. Does that make sense, guys? That's the way it is. And notice also, there is no special ordination for ministry gifts. You don't ordain ministry gifts into office. The only one that we ordain relatively right now is pastors. And quite frankly, the pastors ordained all right, are usually associate pastors. The pastor himself who funds the church is usually not ordained. He just starts the work. Are we together, guys? Now, can a man who is called into the office of a pastor be ordained as a pastor? Yes. Are we together, guys? But what I'm trying to let you know is at the end of the day, most of the times, people who are ordained are not always necessarily called into the office of a pastor. All right? It's just that on behalf of another, they have been ordained to associate. Do you understand my point? To also do the work. Does that make sense, guys? Exactly. 
But then that being said, you know, forget don't forget everything I just said. <laughs> Alright? But then I did I did say that to just say. Now, when we talk about the idea of ministry gifts, you need to understand why ministry gifts are given. Now, notice in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he says he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the edifying. Now, the word edifying there is the word that means a building up. Oikodomio. It means to build up. A good way, or another way we often talk about it is to lay brick on brick. To build something up. So he says the ministry gifts are given for the building up of the body of Christ. But the question should be how? How will they build up the body of Christ? He answers. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ, sorry, for the perfecting of the saints, sorry, I missed that actually. He says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now this is a mistake we often make in how we read this verse. Now when we, when we read for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, we read it this way. We read it as the ministry gifts are given for the perfection of the saints, one. Then they are given for the work of the ministry. Are we together, guys? Then for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, that's a mistake we make. So the way we read it, we read it in a way that makes it look like as though the ministry gifts are the ones who are to do the work of the ministry. Are we together, guys? Let me say it again. We read it as the ministry gifts are given for the perfection of the saints, one. Are we together? Then for the work of the ministry, then, for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you read it like that, let me see your hands up. Nobody. Or you don't even read it at all. Or how do you read it? Anybody? You said? Like that. So why do you not raise your hand? It's people like you that like to spoil work for somebody. <laughs> You're not making me feel like I was doing, I'm not okay. I say raise your hand, you're looking at me. And I say like that. God, I want to say God to judge you. Anyways, let's continue. So now, he says, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. But that's really not what he's referring to there. And you see, one of the ways that we help, one of the things that will help yourself in Bible study is to remember that the fact that in the um, manuscripts, or at least in the earlier versions of these books, all right, particularly in the Greek, they didn't have punctuations. Are you with me? They didn't have it. So punctuations were added by translators to aid understanding. Now, of, of a truth, punctuations are not bad. They are helpful. But there are certain places where the punctuations were added that could slightly change how you see the verse. Let me show you a very good place. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Go there. And we'll come back here. Quickly, quickly, quickly. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. You know what? Let me just go there. But I, want to show, I want to show you guys something. Now, pay attention. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, comma, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, here are some very interesting things about this verse. First of all is that, now, the comma was not there initially in the initial portion of scripture, number one. And then, you see, in those days too as well, you see um, um, pronouns, I think that's what it's called. He is a pronoun now, is it? Yeah. Pronouns like this were usually not present. Now, they had pronouns as well, right? But not like this. Usually, pronouns like this were added by translators to aid understanding. If you are using much more interesting versions, you will see certain words used in itlics. For example, he is in itlics. Are we together, guys? To show you that those words were added to aid your understanding. So, let me show you a very interesting fact. If we were to remove the comma and to remove the he, this is how we read it. Therefore, if any, if any man in... Now, also B, sorry. Also B is actually in Italy too as well. Those words were added to aid understanding. So now, if you were to read it without those words, you read it as, Therefore, if any man in Christ is a new creature... All things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. And this would make sense because look at the verse just before it. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16. 5 verse 16. Mm, 
Verse 16. It says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yet though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. So he's trying to say, now we, we no longer know any man after the flesh. Are we together? Before we used to know Christ after the flesh, but we don't know him that way anymore. Then the next verse, verse 17. If, therefore, if any man in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away. Do you get it now? Are we together? Now, of course, the good thing about this is, in this particular scenario, it doesn't entirely change the meaning. Are we together? It just, changed, it just changes the pattern of how it sounds. One sounds like, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Whereas what he's saying is, therefore, if any man in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away. Just as we no longer know Christ after, we no longer know Christ after the flesh. Do you understand my point? Are we together, guys? So what I'm trying to let you see here is how punctuation marks can actually change. Is there any problem? All right. We, <laughs> you know, what I'm trying to show you here is how punctuation marks can change the way a particular word is perceived. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together, guys? So now back to Ephesians 4 verse 12. Ephesians 4 verse 12. Was this paper here before? Is this what you're talking about? Oh, okay. You're welcome. Ephesians 4 and verse 12. Back to Ephesians 4 and verse 12. Alright. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? Please, I need you guys to respond. Are we together, guys? Yes, Alright, beautiful. So it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So now, if we were to remove, for example, the, comma, the first comma that you have there and read it, the way you would read it is this. The ministry gifts were given for the perfection of the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, it is the saints who are given the responsibility for the work of ministry. Ministry gifts are given to perfect saints so that they can do the work of the ministry. Do you understand me? And this, okay, I'm going to say it again. It is the saints, or better still, every believer is given the responsibility of the work of ministry. You see that in 2 Corinthians 5, from verse 17. Therefore, if any man bring Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. He then says in verse 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus, and has given what? The ministry of reconciliation. Meaning, everyone who is a new creature has received the ministry of reconciliation. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? He then begins to say, what is that ministry of reconciliation? To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has given unto us the word of reconciliation. So every believer is given the responsibility to preach the gospel. Does that make sense, guys? Are we together? So if you are supposed to use that mindset into Ephesians 4 and verse 12, it will be that the ministry gifts are given to perfect the saints so that the saints can effectively do the work of ministry. Do you understand me? So it is not the ministry gifts are given to perfect the saints, for the work of the ministry. Mm -mm. Rather, they are given to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry. If you are with me, can I see your hands up? Beautiful. If you are confused, can I see your hands up? Okay, I'm going to say it again. All right. Now, again, uh, did you guys understand when I spoke about how um, punctuation marks were not there in the originals and they were added for, for understanding? So every now and then, we can remove some things just to hear that we understand it. Does that make sense, guys? Do you also understand when I thought, thought about the fact that every believer has the ministry of reconciliation. Do you understand that? So every believer actually has to do the work of ministry. Does that make sense, guys? So now, the context of Ephesians 4 is ministry gifts. He has already spoken about, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Does that make sense? Alright? So he has spoken about ministry gifts. And then he's now going to tell you what the ministry gifts are for. Right? And now, the way you would normally read it is, okay, the ministry gifts are given, number one, for the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ, right? Now, if we are to use the understanding we already have of how every believer, that is saints, are given the work of ministry, a better way to read it would be, ministry gifts are given for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. 
it's a full sentence. So it is not perfection of the saints, comma, work of the ministry. Rather, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you get it now? So the people who have the work of the ministry are the saints. To ensure that the saints can effectively do the work of the ministry. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Beautiful. So now, and that's the reason they are called ministry gifts. They are gifts to your ministry. Does that make sense, guys? They are gifts to your ministry. So at the end of the day, you need to understand that my work as a ministry gift towards you is to ensure that you are doing the work of ministry. And this is one of the things I laid as a foundation in Lagos. The fact that you see, you need to understand, you need to understand what a pastor is there for. You know, people think pastors are there to make you live your best life. Maybe when you met your pastor, you were poor. Then after like one year of being with your pastor, ah, things have turned around. I can't see everything turning around. Away, turning around. So you now say, sir, when I first met you, I only had five naira in my pocket. But sir, now, <laughs> I've got five billion. Now, let me tell you something. Now, that's not bad. Quite frankly, we give God the glory for that. Are you with me? But here's the thing. If that is all you have to say about your pastor, he has failed. Are we together? In fact, let me give you another one. That will probably hit him. Sir, when I met you, I was deep in sickness. All manner of sickness. In fact, it was a legion. But sir, just by your encounters, in three months, in one year, sir, I'm now whole and free. I can walk, you know, without any pain in my body. I'm full of wholeness and this and that. Glory to Jesus. But listen, if that's all you have to say about your pastor, guess what? He has failed. He has. Now, of course I have not said that healing is wrong. I mean, we just had a testimony of healing. Amen? Amen. Glory to Jesus. But I'm trying to let you know that at the end of the day, the primary responsibility that the ministry gift has to you is to make you effective in ministry. Other things are good and they can follow alongside, but that's not the primary reason. Are we together, guys? Do you understand me? Your ministry gift is given to you primarily to ensure that you become effective in the work of ministry. One of the primary ways I know that I'm doing my work well is that after about three months, your mindset towards souls changes. If anything at all, you must see people differently. The fact that somebody is a non-believer must move you somehow. If it doesn't move you, there's a problem. And this lets you know that a lot of people are in the church, but at the end of the day, are not receiving the ministries of ministry gifts. The fact that we can have people who have grown up in the church for years and have never gone on evangelism already lets you know. That at the end of the day, most ministry gifts have actually failed. Respectfully. Are you with me, guys? They have. It's honest, you know, I always make this joke with my guys every now and then. You know, one time in Lagos, I was, I was, I don't know if I was driving or something, and I was passing. And then I passed in front of a church. And then the, the slogan or something like that of the church was raising world-class leaders. I just laughed. <laughs> I say, wow, raising world-class leaders. I say, what's the difference between you and Obamacare Foundation? Or you and Nelson Mandela Foundation? That's unity of the faith, though. Sure, you know. You and Obama now are doing the same thing. That's, that's, that's one gospel. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> that's, that's unity of the faith. That's till we all come. Abikilero. We've all come near. So what you are hearing, that's the reason, by the time you now hear, when you ask people, who are your best pastors? Or who are the preachers you like to hear the most? You hear Fela Durotoye, Zig Ziglar, and Jordan Peterson. You know that there's a problem. That's what happens when people cannot, you, you've trained people not to be able to distinguish preaching from motivational speech. That's what happens. When is that your entire sermon for one hour? Is a sprinkle of Genesis 1. Just one sprinkle. Particularly verse 27 where it talks about dominion. Dominion. Then you now do dominion mandates. Then the rest of your preaching, no single sermon. 
Everything is just picking Fernando Toyo, you, you mix it together with, you know, Jordan Peterson, you and Andrew Tate, just to sprinkle the base. <laughs> just to sprinkle the base. Just, you pour some Andrew Tate into it, just to make everything balanced. <laughs> Are we together, guys? Are you with me? So your primary, see, the primary responsibility any ministry gift has to you is to ensure that you are effective in the work of ministry. Now, let me tell you something. Let me give, I give this example in Lagos. Sure, you know, if the way we used to judge the influence of a pastor over a person's life is, for example, how, how well the person's life gets better financially. Sure, you know that if we're supposed to use that to judge, for example, someone like Matthew, <laughs> Jesus failed him bad, bad. <laughs> sure, you know, nah, sure, you know, Matthew was a tax collector. The man had money. You need to understand what tax collectors were in those days. And you know, I, you know there, there's this um, um, TV series that was done a while ago that I'm just beginning to watch. Chosen. How many of you have seen Chosen? But I, just, I just started watching it. And, and that, that, is, that stuff is beautiful. I have some concerns here and there, though. But for most of it, for most of it it's fine. All right? But then, I, I really like how it's, it gives a character to a lot of these, you know, these Bible persons. So look at Matthew, for example. He was a baller. In case you don't know, do you notice that, that scene where he was wearing his sandal? And then they showed many sandal. That is literally in today's balance. Eh? That is, for example, the way you enter some people's closets and you see like you see different racks of shoes. Do you understand? Because if you notice those sandals, they had like gold stuff on it. Do you understand? Brown, really polished and all like that. It, the way the boy, that boy was giving like all those tech bros living on the island. That's how he was living. Do you understand? Even the key, if you notice the kind of door he was using, do you notice the door? Ah, you don't notice. I mean, I noticed. The door was gold. Had different kind of so I say, ah, ah, God, I tap into this. <laughs> Just kidding. You know, so he was living large. He was living good. And now he follows Jesus. And the same man who was living good before, guess what now? They're after his life. They want to kill him. If we are supposed to judge normally, what we say Jesus has failed him? That it looks like your life was even better before this Jesus. But yeah, you should go back to the world and go and be enjoying are we together, guys? So, at the end of the day, if the, your estimation of the, of the effect or the influence of a ministry gives in a man's life is how well the person becomes better from a naturalistic perspective, you are wrong. Are you with me? Because sometimes in Christ Jesus, you will collect shame. You will lose money. In fact, they will kill you joy. Are we together? Another good example is Paul. Sure, you know who Paul was. You know, when Paul was reading about his criteria or the things he had in Philippians 3, you know this boy was not a small boy. He was a big boy. You know what he called himself? He said a Pharisee of Pharisees. Now, a Pharisee normally is a big boy. You need to understand. If a Pharisee is walking on the road, you clear road. Are you with me? If a Pharisee is walking, you don't... Ah, a Pharisee is not... It's not shere shere. You don't do Pharisee anyhow. In fact, they even have a uniform. They have a clothes. The cloth alone, the, the cloth alone can feed people. You know those kind of shirts? And when you see the price, you just say blood of Jesus. And you just quickly close it. Like your, my eyes will not build iniquity. You just, you just quickly close it. You know when you hear that one shirt, for example, is like 200k. You don't be wondering. You know, ah, poverty is a bastard. You know, po poverty makes you unnecessarily rational. You say, what's in the clothes? That's how people are just wasting money up and down. What's, what's in ordinary? Then you have the money and you realize why. Ah, I should do buy. You know, there's a particular person I know. I said, I will never spend this kind of amount of money on phone. What am I, what am I using this phone for? He said, 200K on your phone. The same person now is an iPhone 11. <laughs> no, iPhone 11. And you know the terrible thing about iPhones? iPhones are so terrible, you don't stop as one. That's, you know, I was telling someone this a while ago. I was saying that the problem with iPhone is the fact that, particularly when, maybe for example, you have other Apple devices, it becomes extremely hard to try to get another. People don't get it. iPhone users don't like iPhone because iPhone is that good. They can't go. 
<laughs> you guys, don't, you don't get it. For example, now imagine someone, for example, uses an iPhone, an iPad, and then as well a MacBook. That kind of connectivity that they have, why do they want to get it again? I promise you, I want to look for an Android phone to use. I can't use it. That's the problem. I'm in chains. Help me. <laughs> I, I, I'm in chains. So I promise you, one of those things I say that um, this thing, um, Android is better than iPhone. Even iPhone users know. They know. Yes, they know. Don't let me enter this matter because I'm, this thing I'm saying is paining me. You know that moment when you're sitting and you're like, I need to get a new phone. I cannot buy an iPhone. And the iPhone is just laughing at you. You will buy me. <laughs> you, you know how many where you're going? You're going to buy me. You know? But then as I was saying, so now look at, look at um, um, Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a big boy. He was known everywhere. In fact, you know what he said? He says concerning the righteousness of the law, blameless. You know, somebody was saying, he says if you're supposed to equate Paul's academic standing to you know, qualifications today. He had two doctorate degrees. You know, some people will never get masters in their life. I may be one. I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because the first one I did, I don't even know. Like, no first masters, the degree. No, no way. <laughs> you know, I don't say Olule, Joseph. But, you know, I don't know. It's almost like you, are doing, you did degree like you know the degree. You know? You know, I met I met one of my friends. You know, we were in, we were in the same department on evangelism yesterday, and then he looked at me. He said, "Oh, oh, practice more." <laughs> you know, I was now wondering that is he a rhetorical question or do you want me to answer? <laughs> Julius said, "Oh, practice more." You know, they. Just my point. So now, this was someone who had two doctorate degrees, two, not one, two. So look at degrees. And then the person now says, I can't talk but dunk. Say, sir, can you just give me one? You can throw the remaining away, but just give me one out of the doctorate degree. So the same man who had two doctorate degrees now, they are letting him down a roof with a basket. A Pharisee of Pharisees that normally walk around Jerusalem and everybody is bowing down. Bowing down. Now, it has become so terrible just so that he can escape from being killed. They put him inside baskets. Man of God with oil. Hey, God. Hey. Ah. Man of God with oil on his head, that if he do like this, everybody will fall. Now, his baskets that they're letting him down with. See, and they're letting him down, they're saying, You shall not die, but live. So they carry goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. So, in other words, what I want to tell you, if your estimation of the effectiveness of a ministry gives in your life is how much money you have, ah, you have failed. You failed. Now, this is not to say that your life will not get better. Don't get me wrong. God meets needs. Can I hear an amen? amen? I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. It's there in scripture. Second John. But you need to understand something at the end of the day. Even if you don't have money, as long as you have become effective when it comes to the things of God's spirit, as long as you have become effective when it comes to the work of ministry, guess what? Your ministry gift has done well. Are we together, guys? Exactly. And so, that's, you see, that's the purpose of this teaching. Now, because let me tell you something. You know, there's something, there, there's certain things you don't realize because you are in very sane environments until you get to other places. You see, evangelism is not the kind of topic that churches will naturally teach for some weird reason. You don't know until when you actually go out. People don't teach it. Evangelism. Because, quite frankly, people don't evangelize anymore. Don't let me make, I want us to do one particular thing right now and take one particular census and ask that if you evangelize in the last three months, let me see your hands up. You will be shocked that some believers will raise their hand. Three months. Do you know what three months mean? Three months. Now, if I had to ask, don't let me enter that matter. Let's not do condemnation. If I ask condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. 
So don't, so don't let me condemn you. I'm not a minister of condemnation. But don't worry, let me leave it. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? And do you know something? You know, I, I, was, I was saying this, and I think I said this in Lagos. It's not interesting that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, all right, Matthew 28, do you realize that he only gave us one instruction? Are we together? Matthew 28 and verse 19. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Or go ye therefore and make disciples of every nation. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Meaning, the, the only simple instruction Jesus gave us was to preach the gospel. Do you realize? Guys, you, do you realize that, in fact, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he didn't give us an instruction to read the Bible. Now, this is, of course, clearly, reading the Bible is not wrong. But I'm trying to let you know, the primary thing he told us to do was to preach the gospel to every nation. Is it not crazy that the thing he told us to do, most, that's what we know how to do least. Let, are we together? Are we together, guys? That's the truth. Bible study, we'll rough it, but we'll do it. Prayer, we'll rough it. Evangelism, hey, hey, I'm shy. Can't really. Outreach. Some of us, once you hear that there's evangelism, you have already beaten. Babido. Babido. The only reason it's not show is because you are in the company of saints. You just, you just use something and hold it. But in your mind, you're just hoping, God, who will let me take it to the bite of your law? Eh? So strong, I mean, somebody will be asking somebody to use this question. Say, how do you know Jesus rose? He rose, Daddy. What might be the question of shaking it on me? Ah, he rose. Leave me alone. Say, this, this, this thing. Are we together, guys? But it's crazy. That was what Jesus asked us to do. In fact, let me say something. Let me explain something to you guys. Do you realize everything we do in the Christian faith today is a function of that simple instruction going to the world to preach the gospel to every creature? That's it. You know, I was telling my guys something. You know, God did not even send us to build cathedrals. Are we together? He didn't send us to build cathedrals. He didn't send us to build Christian schools. Now, those things are not wrong. I have no problem with it. Are we together? But I'm just trying to let you know at the end of the day that there's something that's a problem. just the same way when you have a phone. Imagine a phone that, you know, these days, the kind of way they're building phone now. Because if most phones can do anything, everything. Do you understand my point? You use your phone to do this one. In fact, some people, their entire job is on their phone. Yes or no? Yes. The entire, all the work they do is on that phone. I'm not talking about Yahoo boys. Just to be clear. Do you understand? Like, there are legit jobs that everything they do is on the phone. Are we together, guys? So now imagine that somebody has a phone that can do everything else but call. You say, ah, this your phone is good. You say, yes. You say, can do this? Yes. You can do that? Yes. Okay, job, I'm in running phone. You say, ah, that's the one thing it cannot do. Eh? <laughs> you know, in terms of purpose, that phone has failed. Even though it can do every other thing well. Are we together, guys? So let me tell you something. The fact that we are so effective as every other thing but what God has called us to do can actually mean we are ineffective. Are we together, guys? Even if, let me say something. You see, our effectiveness in prayer should actually stem from our seriousness with seeing the world covered with the gospel. It's one of the reasons, for example, some of you will notice this. That ever since you became much more serious about discipleship and evangelism, you became very consistent with prayer and Bible study. You have to be. You can't be going out to preach the gospel and you're not reading your Bible. They will well. <laughs> you know, my guest was talking to me yesterday about we went, we went out on evangelism yesterday evening. All right, and I talked to him about how a young Muslim girl was asking them questions. Very interesting questions. Questions that forget. Plenty of people cannot answer. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's know. You see, let me tell you something. There is a there is a there is a lie. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if the word is a lie. There is a front that being in church like this gives us. You know when you're in church like this, you can see anything and get away with this. Nobody really questions things. We come here to receive, yes or no? 
Chances are, what are we tell? Let me see. Let me tell you something. There is there is a deception of the pulpits. The average person believes when someone is behind the pulpit, anything they say makes sense, even though it is clearly stupid. Have you seen people who somebody says something that is foolish and they are saying yes, sir? Woo, shabakata. Yeah, but see, can't you? And you know the crazy thing is if they if the person wants to remove pulpits and just walk up to them normally and tell them, they will say, ah, this doesn't make any sense. But you see, once somebody is behind this thing like this. It's like there's a thing that comes with this thing that once you talk, people just their brain is just open. No matter what you are saying, even if it's the same bed, they will take it. Are we together? Now you know you can only get away with something like that in church. Sure, you know when I'm on evangelism, nobody knows me as man of God. Ah, one woman of God, didn't I'm telling you, the person doesn't. So at that point in time, he has no obligation to receive what I'm saying. Are we together? So now the things that you've been saying in church and you've been getting away with it, you will not tell somebody and you say why. <laughs> That's why you know there's a problem. You know, you say, you know, Jesus Christ died. He was buried. He rose a day on the third day. Believe in him. I have eternal life. <laughs> then you now tell somebody. Then the person now says, This Jesus, have you met him before? That, that he now occurs to you. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, kind of that. When you, when you preach, you just then the person says, Have you met this Jesus before? You now say, Wait. Then the, then the evangelizer becomes the evangelist. <laughs> you know, then you need to now be saying, hey, hey, tell me more. <laughs> I never saw it like that though. Ah, what's in law? I'm seeing it from your perspective now. Wow. <laughs> Glory to God. Are we together, guys? And what that lets you know at the end of this, a lot of us are not trained. And guys, it's very dangerous. I don't think you realize how ridiculous it is that some of us grew up in church, grew up in church for years, and we still are not skilled enough to evangelize. Yeah, evangelize somebody as they are even opening the Bible, your hand is shaking. The person can see it. John three, John three, verse sixteen. Can you are laughing too loud? It sounds like this is actually you have Oh God, Hallelujah, praise God. Also, you see, this is what ministry gifts are there for. Hallelujah, glory to God. You know, glory to God that you'll be blessed. Of course, you're going to be blessed financially. You're going to keep increasing and increasing and so on and so forth. But you see, my work as a pastor is to ensure, and my work as a ministry gives to ensure that even when you start driving your Lexus, you will drive to your, with your Lexus to Mayfair and you will pack it and you will come down and you will follow me on the road and we'll preach the gospel. Say Amen. amen. That's the work. It's not that oh, our Lexus buying say we cannot see you anymore. That's the way the road to your ministry is also as well. Can you see? It's filled with all manner of these things. You will not get to where you get reward. Because of, you know, um, you know how these things are. <laughs> I know those ridiculous laughter that rich people always have. Those deep, thick, up and down laughter. <laughs> you know, like, talk well. You just know, you know how these things are. Um, you know, um, because of because of work, sir. Um, you know, I will not be able to listen. the same you. You know, Lorielu, and that, that's what that's you don't get. That's actually what usually moves me the most. Most of the time, in my experience, I've realized the people who usually give all those kind of stupid excuses. If you can't check how much the person is earning, maybe he's earning two fifty to three fifty k a month. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a lot of money. I'm not coming for you now. I'm just, what's the problem? Receive the word. You know, let me, let me put someone that wants to receive the word. As I was saying. So maybe you want to receive, Abby. Thank you very much. So, you know, maybe, maybe this person, you know, just earning like 250k to 350k a month. No, it's 250k to 350k a month. You can't work well anymore. Now you have to be looking at the ground when you're working. 
Lonely three fifty k. I'm serious. That's the funny thing. And now it makes you know there's something that old, a lot of older folks know that we don't know. Because when you find somebody who, for example, has been a neurosurgeon for forty years of his life, and he's still playing in his church, he's still playing keyboard. In other words, he comes for choir rehearsals, and then after choir rehearsals in the evening, he's carrying tracks to share. And that is your boss times two. I mean, he's the boss of your boss. And then you, with your with your coat, I be shoots. Yes, that Tony Bossy was shoot forty k. You say you know you know you say you know you know you know the same pastor that before before now if pastor is coming you'd have gone on your knees you can't even look pastor in the face <laughs> now with your twenty fifty k was it so tight you know so now say <laughs> faster <laughs> pastor it's not like that sir it's not like that no, pastor 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 over here now your money perish with you <laughs> rubbish. Say this. Now come ah, me, I you see, <laughs> I thank God that people. I mean, quite frankly, I think I think I'm a very nice person. I think so. Do you understand me? But God has helped me that I will come for your soul. Do you understand my point? I mean, I will, I don't, all those ones don't matter to me. You know, I believe it's very necessary for people to realize every now and again that before you started having money, God was there. Are we together? And He was doing fine before your money existed. And guess what? If you carry your money and go, you'll be doing very fine. And even after all that money has finished and you come back, you'll still be doing fine. And then he will bless you again. To show you that it was never about you, raise your hands and collect. Whether or not you're obedient or not, he will bless you. Do you understand my point? That's God. He doesn't really... Do you it's not, God you know, is not such that maybe because of what you now did, God will not say, I will show you. God is not your father. Do you understand? God is not... This thing. I'll say, ah, you will save me. You will save me. I will keep your wings. You say, I will show you that I'm the God. He doesn't need to show you. Just that if you go and the money go, you come back, God is a loving father, he will provide again. And you see, that's also why it's also very dangerous. You know, somebody said, somebody called God something. Somebody said, God is the God that you'll be doing your own and you'll still be paying your salary. Ha! That thing should scare you. <laughs> like you are, you are in your disobedience and he's still providing for you. Because she you will not be hungry. Abi, she come along while we're hungry. And I'm alone is in disobedience. So. But you see, that's also why it's terrible. Because you, you are just opening an edge for the devil. And it's going to come at you hard. Guess what? And God is always gracious. At least, if you survive it. <laughs> Emphasis on if. Are we together, guys? Are we together, guys? So, the point of everything I'm trying to say is this. is that At the end of the day, my effectiveness with you, or ministry towards you, all right, as a believer is this, that you are effective in the work of ministry. Are we together, guys? Effective. So, honestly, tell yourself the truth. You've been in the church so long, you're not preaching the gospel, sir. There's, some, there's a problem somewhere. Is it that the place you are in is the wrong place? Are we together? Or you are the one being disobedient? Are we together, guys? It's a very major problem. Church attendance, 200. Evangelism, 10. There's a problem, sir. Amen? Amen. I know you, you point oddly quiet there. You didn't really, you didn't really laugh. What's the problem? It's not funny to you anymore. Sorry, eh? Look at your neighbor. Say sorry, sorry. Don't cry. Sorry. Ah, by the way, Seth, you be, you were around now yesterday. Oh, you're not around. You're, but you're in Ife. <laughs> see God. <laughs> see, just see God. Just see God. Anyways, let's continue, people of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. So I was just trying to talk about things I covered in Lagos, but time is running. Ah. And you guys were not around though in Lagos. There's, there's a foundation I want to really lay. Go to Genesis chapter 1 from verse 26. 
Genesis 1 verse 26. By the way, even as much as I'll try to explain so many things, I can't cover everything I thought in Lagos, all right? So please and please do well too, as once the sermon gets online, we'll probably try to do a BC about it, all right? So please do well to listen to it, okay? Um, thank you. Genesis 1 verse 26. Are we there? Now, we're just going to read. He says, and God said... Oh, we'll read verse 26 for now. He says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Are we together, guys? Now, when God said, Let us make man in our image, I, I always like, so yeah, guys, at this point in time, we want to use our brains. Say brain. So we're going to think. Are we together, guys? You know, I always, there's something I always say when, from when I was on campus. God washed your sins, not your brains. Do you understand my point? He, in fact, he washed your sins so that your brain can now think spiritual. Are we together, guys? So we are going to think now. Amen? Thank you for listening. We're sure that it was an amazing time. For questions and inquiries, reach out to us on carisol.bb at gmail.com. We call you blessed.